Can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. In five, four, three. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And back with me, I think there he is, is Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. How you doing, man? Not bad. Not bad at all. How's it going? Pretty good over here. The weather, I always got to start talking about the weather, has been shit. <laughs> the last like three days, three, four days have been just uh, completely overcast, like I, like kind of cold. Like I tried to do a, so I had a friend in from out of town who was like super excited. Come to PV for a few days, get some sun, you know. Have some have some fun at the beach, pool, whatever. We kept trying to go to the fucking beach, do a pool day and things like that. And it was just legitimately cold. It was like 70 degrees overcast with like a wind chill that would bring you down into like the 60s. So that's been a little weird. But um, yeah, had a had a fun weekend. Watch the Super Bowl. I so think 60s, I was 60s is chilly for you. That's that's warm here right now. Today yeah. it's sixty and it's sixties is as cold as I wanted to fucking get. Um, yeah, I might even have to put fucking socks on at some point, which is very rare. <laughs> it's like I can go the almost the entire year without putting on a pair of socks. <laughs> you watched the Super Bowl too? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I attempted to watch the commercials and I got kind of burnt out on the commercials before halftime. And instead I, I mostly just watched the game. And then when, unlike usual, uh, watch the game. And when the commercials came on, I kind of tuned out. Uh, whereas, you know, most years you kind of tune out for the game and, and actually like really pay attention to the commercials. It's that, I thought that was like the, the game itself ended up being disappointing and we could go into it's all on off and it's all rigged and whatever. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just saying like in three Super Bowl wins, the Kansas city chiefs have yet to be called for a single offensive holding penalty, but that's neither here nor there. Um, uh, but the, like the, the, this, the, the Super Bowl advertisements have been so disappointing. Like the only ones that were really like good were the teasers for, the like new movies that are coming out but those weren't even full trailers they were well i guess the uh, kingdom of the planet of the apes one was a full trailer but all the other ones were just like a teaser trailer that was like 10 15 seconds and then at the end it said go to 
go to such and such website to watch the full trailer. Like they, you didn't even get full movie trailers on half of them. It just <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, at seven million dollars for thirty seconds, I can't say I blame them. <laughs> I believe that that's the going rate now. And I I looked this up during one of the boring commercial breaks to see you know what the the first commercial cost. I think it was 1967 and it was uh like $37,000. 37,500 or something like that. And I remember when it was you know, when I was maybe in like high school or something. Maybe a little before high school it was like the first when it started to become like a million dollars for a, a 30 second commercial. And here we are. Thank God there's no inflation, but $7 million for a little spot. And like you said, they're all just like, they're all just boring. Like, I don't know if it's an, it's, I think there's a couple factors there, but part of it is just the fact that our, our society is just in a decline. Like the creativity is not there. And I don't know if that's, because our society is in decline or because people are just afraid to take risks because they don't want to offend anybody. But it's just like, yeah, like why I, I didn't even understand what like some of the commercials were for, to be perfectly honest with you. And then you'd be like, why are they advertising? I like, why, why am I seeing this commercial during the Super Bowl? Like there was something for women. I forget exactly. It was like a lipstick commercial or something like that. It was like makeup. I'm like, why are what? A, a lipstick commercial during the fucking Super Bowl. Now, Johnny, the whole thing was an op, and the commer- the people who were making the commercials already knew that Taylor Swift was going to be at the Super Bowl, which meant they were going to have their opportunity to sell their lipstick to the Swifties. You got to remember, this whole thing has been planned out months in advance. They already knew how this was all going to play out. They, this is, it's all about the, it's all about the almighty dollar and that advertising money. It's, yeah, and I thought, I don't know, dude. I just thought it was a fucking, oh, I don't know if I predicted this on the show or not, but like anybody, because I don't really pay attention, like I, I said, to the games or anything, but I was like, I don't know, dude. I wouldn't bet. I, I'm looking at the line in Vegas, and they've got San Francisco as two-point favorites. I don't I just didn't see. I mean, I, betting against Patrick Mahomes and then all the other, like you said, apparently they've never had, is that, were you exaggerating with the holding calls? I feel like no. I saw holding calls, but I wasn't exactly paying attention to which team it was. No, in three Super Bowl victories, the Kansas City Chiefs have not been called for a single offensive holding. Yeah, and that's, I mean, come on. You could probably call holding on every single play if you wanted to for any there was team. A, there was a stretch during the game. I was uh, I was chatting with some buddies, and as we were all watching the game, like, um, Alan Mosley it's too late with Alan Mosley. Alan has a discord server. And so all football season, a bunch of us have watched the games together and we get on the discord server and we talk about the games as they're going on. And it's a lot of fun. Like it's, it's like hanging out with your buddies watching the game, except that we're like spread all across the country and just chatting on online. But so we're sitting there talking and it's like, all right, there was this like really blatant missed holding call. And I was like, all right, watch Every single play, the Chiefs' offensive line are holding. They're, and they're doing it in this, like, um, the Chiefs went through a stretch early in the season where they were their tackles were lining up in an illegal 
uh, in an illegal formation, but that it wasn't getting called until people started to notice it. And then like they shifted away from and stopped doing it. So it's this real like shady kind of way of holding that it's, it's a very blatant hold if you're watching it on TV and seeing it happen, but it doesn't get called a single time throughout the whole game. And, and at that point, like from that point forward was when the chiefs really started to shift momentum. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to, especially when, especially when you see it and you're like, what the fuck? And then six other people see it all at the same time. And they're like, Whoa, did you see that? And then, and then that's all you can see from that, from there on. It's like, all right, it's literally every single play they're doing it. it it's crazy. Yeah, it must not be illegal then. They're just letting it go. They calling it on other teams. <laughs> yes, yes, that is. Uh, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure it got called on San Francisco at least twice. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I I didn't put any money on the game, but if I was going to, I would have taken the Chiefs. The Chiefs and the points. And I'm not I, like I'm not one of the. Oh, it's all an op. It's all rigged. It's all. It's all uh, professional wrestling, like a lot of people are. Like I, I think they sincerely are playing the games, and there's a lot of stuff that you can't factor in uh, in the playing of the games. But at the same time, when the refs let certain things go consistently on one side and not on the other, and and like the way you see the like a, a man, it was funny watching the games with other people and talking about them like live as they were happening. And then it's like, okay, wait, what's the line on this game? And then you start, because like, you'll see a really like blatantly questionable call. And it's like, like in the midway through the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. It's like, Whoa, what's the line on this game? And then you start to see like shit fall into place. Like, is it? Yeah, because I think it was forty-seven. Yeah, I think it was forty-seven and a half or something. And at halftime, the score was what, like it was like six to three or some shit. And it was like, did anybody take the under? And then what was the the final score was like forty-seven, right? The total. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Something like that. And I was just like, man, how does Vegas just like get it so right, like so close every time? That's where I think there's there's definitely some fucking rigging coming like coming into play here. Well, it's like there was one game earlier in the season that we were watching. It was uh, I can't remember. It was Broncos and Chargers or something like that. I can't remember who who it was that was playing. But up to that point, it was a blowout, and the line on the game was like seven and a half. And all of a sudden, you get a couple questionable calls, and the other team makes a run at towards the end of the fourth quarter, and in and they end up or and it ends up being five point a five point difference, like all the way up to that point, it had been a complete blowout. And then within the last quarter and a half, you just yeah. suddenly start seeing these weird calls and you end up with right. brings yeah. things back in line. I, I mean, in my mind, there's just too much money involved in these things for them to leave, to leave it, it up to chance. Well, and like the, the, I think we talked about it before but blue chips, like you remember blue chips <clears throat> came out back in the day with Gary Busey and Shaq and Penny Hardaway. And, and like he, he, he talks about, or they talk about like 
you know, we've been in the pockets of your players for, for a long time and talk about like point shaving and stuff like that and how it doesn't really take that much if you're if you're good enough to just just short arm a shot a little bit here and there and take some points off the board or you know accidentally turn the ball over or whatever and, and you know like you see there was one uh there was one post on twitter that was like here's where you can tell that the fix is in it's where the uh the offensive tackle for for the Niners just like completely whiffs on a block, like just lets a lets a free runner come straight at the quarterback. It's like didn't even didn't even look at him. I'm like, eh, yeah, some of that stuff can possibly happen. Yeah, or yeah, it could just be. I, I mean, he blew the coverage or whatever. Didn't it, it's. A, I mean, the game happens pretty fast, but there's just when there's that much money involved. I don't think they leave a lot of things up to chance. So, I mean, it, it's sort of my, my take on the, on the financial markets as well. Like if you're watching these indexes and things like that, they're not going to allow, uh, they're just not going to leave, you know, the S and P futures up to the whims of buying and selling of anybody that wants to get involved in there. I mean, imagine, you know, imagine if uh, one of our so-called enemies, China, or Russia, or something like that, wanted to tank one of the one of those markets and just bankrupt the you know the US financial system or something like that. They could just throw a couple trillion dollars in there and and fuck everything up. So I, I don't think they they leave that sort of when there's that sort of amount of money involved, they don't they're not going to leave it up to chance. They're going to find some way to manipulate things where it's like, yes, there is a lot of um, they let them play kind of thing, but they need to, they will steer it in a certain direction when they need to. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't know, but yeah, I've never really subscribed to the whole, you know, it's all rigged, but at the same time, you can see some opportunity for some rigging going on. Yeah, it was still a, a decent game to watch though. Yeah, um, I mean it was a good game. It was it was entertaining. There were, you know, the 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 teams got hot. There were good uh good kind of storylines, like it good defense on both sides of the ball. Uh it was I mean overall it was a good it was a good game. I'm I'm not upset with the product is just kind of you start seeing shit. Yeah. <laughs> You're glad you didn't spend a hundred grand to go sit sit in the fucking nosebleeds yeah holy shit what was it um i think they said like it was they were averaging like nine thousand dollars a ticket or something like yeah. that it's yeah it was like but yeah from like seven seven thousand to like 100k or something i mean yeah 100k is probably gonna be a pretty nice seat but yeah if you're like up in the fucking you know fourth level corner like you can't <laughs> that's probably yeah like a fucking five thousand dollar seat seven thousand dollar seat that, that's just wild to me and then of course you know you got to be eating and drinking and stuff like that i mean i wonder what it was like in vegas it's probably a pretty big fucking party i bet yeah i bet vegas was a madhouse as if vegas isn't enough of a madhouse just on a average right. wednesday or whatever <laughs> yeah i haven't i don't know i haven't been there in so long i don't really care to care to go i'm not a big gambler 
I'm not big into fucking club scene or whatever. I know there's different Vegases and the restaurants look good, but yeah, just not really my cup of tea. Ah, there was a there was a there were a bunch of like different things in the pregame show because we were we were cooking and hanging out and watching we started watching the pregame stuff around two thirty or three o'clock somewhere in there and uh, there was like a thing with carrot top apparently carrot top is like still doing stand up comedy and is a staple at one of the one of the hotels in Vegas and so like they did a whole thing with carrot top and, <laughs> and my wife and I were both like. Holy shit, that dude looks like he's like old. Like we thought Carrot Top was like our age. No, he's legitimately old. He's like 58 or something. He's like pushing Is 60. Really? I, didn't, I didn't realize Carrot Top was that old. I didn't either. And I didn't realize he could make jokes. Is he funny he like at all? Sammy, he looks like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> I gotta pull this up now. I don't know. Carrot Top did like the prop comedy stuff for a long time and I I have seen some of his recent stuff, like clips and stuff. Like you'll see the Instagram reels or whatever. Like he has some, he has some good stuff. Uh, it's not, it's not terrible. I think he has, I think he has leaned into making fun of himself and, and kind of like turn that into a bit, which I mean, that's, it works for a lot of people. And it's uh, speaking of comedy though. Like, I think that's, that, and going back to the Super Bowl commercials, I think that's why the Super Bowl commercials suck. Like, uh, comedy is dead. You can't say anything offensive. You can't say anything risque. You can't, like, be aggressive. And that's what makes comedy good. So now you don't get the commercials that are taking jabs at different people and different things. Like, everything has to be real, like, milk toast. You don't offend anybody. Yeah. And, it looked it seemed as though like the only commercials that were like somewhat enjoyable were ones that were like throwbacks to when the commercials were really good like remember they, they brought back the um the the gecko uh caveman geico caveman or whatever like that was kind of fun like that just it's like nostalgic i was like oh yeah those commercials like there's no commercial that's come out recently that's going to be like a classic super bowl commercial in 10 15 20 years they're just, it, it seemed like in lieu of good ideas and um, like taking risks and stuff, they would just get celebrities to make a fucking cameo and they just pay for that. And that's supposed to make it like a good commercial or something. And just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it very disappointing. And when you don't take those kinds of risks, not just in comedy, just like in life in general, like nothing, the best inventions and everything like that, the best, uh, advancements of of civilization have come from taking fucking risks and and you know making sure that nothing is being taken off the table like every option's on the table kind of thing let's try this let's see if this works not like oh we need to tiptoe around everything it's so, the yeah. creation of this <clears throat> incredibly risk averse society that we live in where you can't take any risks you can't take any chances everybody's afraid to fail like you saw remember when like the lead up to the 2016 election when Trump was really, really picking up momentum and like all of the left was talking about, look how many times he's had bankruptcies and, and filed for bankruptcy on these different businesses and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, like how many businesses has he started? How many has he actually succeeded in? The dude didn't get to be a billionaire by filing for bankruptcy every single time. Like when you take, and when you take that many risks, 
you're going, some are going to pay off and some aren't like when you see the way society is structured where, and, and you see it, like I see it with my kids and with their schools and stuff like everybody is. And even the way their mom treats them, like everybody is super risk averse, super averse to failure. Like the, the best lessons you learn in life are from massive failures where you fall on your face and everything goes wrong. Like, that's the shit that makes you a man that teaches you what's what in the world and that helps you become successful later on. Uh, Bill Gates didn't just wake up and become a fucking billionaire. Like he had to fail and fuck up and try stuff. Same for Jeff Bezos and every. I mean, how many times has Elon Musk like had some pretty massive fuck ups and failures along the way with all of his different ventures? Like you don't succeed because you're you are exclusively successful. You become successful because you learn from the times that you fail and fuck up and you figure out how to do it better. Yeah, and you keep at it. it you, that's a it's a very good point. You always see especially with like su- the success of people, you all, you only just kind of see the end product and you're like, "Oh, it must be nice to be that guy or, or that girl." Like, oh, you're just a fucking billionaire now." And you're like, "No, there was a lot of there was a lot of struggle along the way and you don't just wake up one day and, and have it all figured out. And it just, it's just this kind of easy road that, that you're, you've been propagandized to take. Like it's, it's almost as if they don't want anybody to try to be these kind of people to be to change the fucking world, to be like one of these few people that influences mankind and, unbelievable ways they just want you to be the you know the cog in the machine one of the cattle just being herded through fucking life that they can um bilk for every fucking penny that you earn speaking of that it's it's valentine's day and i've been engaged in some uh online argumentation uh there's a there was a post that's been going around that uh, I'll pull it up right quick and just kind of let it play in the background. But it talks about um, one thing our culture fails proper is our fails at is to properly inform you that relationships are a thing you have to put years and time and effort into building. And, uh, you know, prepare when you're young for the future to have when you mature. There's no shortcut. And this is a video of like all of these women talking about I'm I'm 40 years old, about to turn 30. No no children, not married, um, no, no, house, no, like, car. Okay. no house, no car, no husband, no prospects. Like one of them says, I cook, I have all of this stuff, but I can't find a man. Like one of the things. And so one of the conversations that has gotten started out of this is, is this idea kind of talking about the, the, the fear of failure and, uh, and people not understanding what it takes to actually be successful is in that, you know, it's happy Valentine's day. Our, uh, there's an entire generation that has been raised thinking that Prince Charming is going to sweep them off their feet and their, their soulmate is going to just appear and it's going to be love at first sight and everything's going to be hunky dory immediately. It's like, that's, it's not the way the world works. Like you, you have to put time and effort and, you know, I mean, my wife and I have been married for almost eight years and I love her to death. She is amazing. She is probably my soulmate, but I mean, it's been eight years of 
figuring that shit out. And and every day we're still figuring that shit out. Like it's it's not some perfect storybook thing. And like this, like I said, there's a whole generation that's been raised to think that they're just gonna like walk out into everything that the universe owes them. That the universe doesn't owe you a fucking thing except for except to kill you off of it at some point. Yeah, that's a good point. And there's a lot of evidence to to support the fact that nobody really wants to put in the work into these types of relationships to make them la like, yeah, I don't even know how long my parents have been married more than fucking 40 years, <laughs> like probably closer to 50. And it's just like, holy shit, dude, like that's that's a long time to be with someone. And I can tell you, it, it wasn't always just uh, sunshine and roses and and whatever like there's there's a lot to um you know you gotta stick you gotta fucking weather some storms and and bear down and take some stuff and and fix things that are wrong you don't just bail on it and fucking get divorced as, as soon as something goes wrong and yeah the divorce rate has just gone through the fucking roof um I, is it over it's probably over 50 percent now isn't it oh i think it's well over 50 percent. yeah it was and then in certain um demographics it's significantly higher it depends on you know the culture in those demographics and things like that but yeah you're seeing a lot of um pushing middle-aged single women that are have been sold a, a bill of goods and they just i, I don't know man they they're, they're just even though they're realizing it and they're kind of pointing it out that it's like, oh, like this situation sucks. They don't seem to put it together. They're not, they don't seem to realize like the cause and effect, like why they ended up where they are. If it's if it's not what they wanted. Yeah, they're they're, they're getting really good at diagnosing that there's something wrong, but they don't seem to they can't seem to take a step back and look at why is it wrong? What's the big picture here? Like. How do you fix it? How do you like correct this problem? It's yeah. it's easier it's, to blame uh, toxic masculinity, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I I did a I did a solo thing the other night, um, kind of talking about this sort of stuff. Like when you look at the workforce and you look at um, like entertainment stuff like that, like the patriarchy and toxic masculinity and all of these things get blamed for all of these things that are going wrong men have largely stepped back and said, fuck it, it's yours. And it's still going wrong. Like we, we are actively hands off and being like, nah, you can just do it. We don't even fucking care anymore. And when it's still going wrong, like maybe it's time to look in the mirror and think, Hey, why, why is it that we can't seem to get this shit right? Yeah. And I remember there's a couple of those tweets that have gone viral about like, you know, name a, name a show in the last like 20 years or something that came out that had like an intact family with a strong male father figure who wasn't like portrayed as a buffoon who had a job and everything. <laughs> and the, the joke was always that it was like breaking bad or something, but <laughs> like, yeah, they, I mean, all of these sitcoms that have come out like in the last 20 I don't know, 25 years or so, they always put, portray the the father in the commercials too. The the father's just this fucking bumbling buffoon. 
and and the you know the the moms like taking care of everything. They've just they've really diminished the role of of fatherhood a lot, and they've they've done this thing where it's like yeah, women can take on the role of like they can do all everything, and it's going to be just as good as if you have the the separate roles that each gender. Yes, there are only two. I'm sorry to break that to some of you that each gender gra naturally gravitates towards, you know, like there are just certain things that women are far better at naturally than men. And then there are other things that men are far better at naturally than women. And it's just like any other division of labor, you know, like you focus on what you're the best at and let somebody else focus on what they're the best at. And the end product is better and cheaper and everything's more efficient. Everybody's happier. When you start to mix these things, like when you force it, when you start to force different roles into different uh, people that they, they're just not going to be as good at naturally, it's, of course, it's going to fuck things up. Well, and that's the problem with <clears throat> and also the pushback to all of the DEI stuff. Like you're you're starting to see over the last couple of years or so and becoming more prevalent uh, over the last like year, the a pushback to all of the DEI stuff, because you're seeing like you're seeing the the adverse effects and the uh, unintended consequences of putting people in roles because because they check boxes instead of because of qualifications and because they actually deserve to be there. Uh, and so you're seeing, you're seeing, you're seeing public trust in a lot of things go down significantly because people look at it and they're like, the, this is not like, this isn't the best person for the job. This is, and, and what's, what, what really fucking sucks about that is like, especially if you're a, woman or a person of color is now because of the unintended consequences of the DEI push and seeing a lot of pretty massive failures of different systems and stuff. Now, if you are a, a person of color or a woman in one of these types of positions, everybody's going to look at you and think, and like they may never say it out loud, but way deep, deep in the back of their head, they're like, I bet this motherfucker's incompetent and just got the job because they check all the right boxes. Like yeah. I, you don't tr you, you, how do you trust anybody? Yeah. It, it, it's almost like they've, they've breeded discrimination into people more than as they keep pushing these initiatives more so than like trying to breed it out, which is their goal, I guess. <laughs> you got fucking airplane doors just flying off mid flight. And then, oh, yeah, it turns out like a bunch of other planes had like loose bolts and stuff like, yeah, it's a it's one thing to just like make the cash, make sure the cashier or something. <laughs> you have a diversified group at Walmart. But it's like, man, when you start putting them into like life and death situations, people have aren't going to fucking care. Have That's you seen when, the you, thing when you realize that people aren't fucking these racist, bigoted like with the fire, you know, the firemen and stuff like that. Have you seen the thing where the military has like a stated recruitment goal of third, third, and third, like a third white, a third African American, and a third Hispanic? Like that's what they want. They they want to achieve these diversity numbers. But it like it doesn't matter what fucking color the person is 
who's picking up the gun and going to fight for the country. It needs to be the person that actually wants to do it. But but they keep pushing these diversity things, and it's it's actually driving the people who would be good good soldiers and and would be good for the military, and that the military would probably also be good for them. It's driving them away from wanting anything to do with it, and uh, like it's it's just. Yeah, it, the whole thing's an unmitigated disaster. I don't know who could have seen this coming, but it's ruining every aspect of life. And it's just sitting kind of from afar and watching the U.S. be this like sinking ship. It's kind of sad, but it's just like, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what can I do well, <laughs> other than this podcast? <laughs> and and I have postulated before on the like on the the women thing, like when when the Marvels came out uh, and it was just an, an abject disaster. And then you had all these other like around that same. So, you know, it's all female cast with a female director and all this stuff. And it was just terrible. And then you also around that same time had a number of CEOs and CFOs that uh, were the first woman in their field. And the company was filing for bankruptcy or going through massive layoffs and all of this other stuff. And, and I said, like, Maybe the patriarchy really does always win. Like, cause it was it was men who put these women in these positions and gave them these roles and let them go and do this, and then they failed miserably. Like, do you think they're putting them in the do you think they're putting them in that position to succeed or putting them in that position to show, hey, look, this is like not gonna work? And it's the same thing with the DEI stuff. Like, are they really are they really trying to to push for equity and equality and make everybody feel like we're all like in this together, or are they actually subversively trying to drive people to be more divisive, to be more racist, to be more, you know, more divided because of the unnatural way that they're doing this? Like I've talked about it with, uh, with like segregation type stuff. Like I'm, I'm not a big, fan of forced integration, which is what you saw uh, post-civil rights movement, where you had basically DEI uh, quotas to meet in like cities and suburbs and stuff to make sure that you had a certain number of Black and Asian and Hispanic families being moved into these neighborhoods so that you had this melting pot and it wasn't happening naturally. It was people were being relocated into these spots and, and putting up this Section 8 housing and doing all of these different things to, to promote more diversity. And it just worsened the problems. It didn't fix anything. And then what you ended up with was these communities that were just absolutely ravaged. The people who could afford to get out got the fuck out. And like it, it's massive negative consequences of forcing those things when it happens naturally like when people just get together and form a community they don't generally like a lot of times they're going to be more homogenous but not always and when it's not then it works even better like you can't force that sort of stuff to happen and that's what's happening with the dei stuff is it's been forced and now it's it's unnatural and it's not working and people are getting not just fed up with it people are getting fucking pissed off about it yeah i don't see how you couldn't be and there's definitely something to be said like almost like they're playing the 4d chess here where it's like okay yeah you guys want to be 
all inclusive and everything. We'll give you we'll give you some DEI right at right the, uh, the wazoo there and see how you like it. And intentionally put people into these positions that are going to foster um, ill will toward one another. I mean, it's pretty clear that the powers that be do not want the American people getting along. Like there, Joe Biden was supposed to be the great uniter, right? And it's just like it's just so obvious that everything they do is so divisive that yeah, no no wonder these things they look like they're completely failing based on what they tell you the um, the desired outcome is. But man, that it, isn't it much better for them if we're all fighting amongst ourselves while they rob us blind. You know, um, it, it really is something, you know, Chicago is one of like the most segregated cities in the world. I think at least it used to be like, there's just, there are little pockets of neighborhoods or like Pol is where the Polish people are is where the, um, you know, this Hispanic neighborhoods that you, I could drop you into if you didn't know any better, you'd think you were in like Mexico city or something. And yeah, Irish, Italian as a black neighborhood. And then, yeah, in the middle, everything's sort of fucking, you know, mixed, but they're outside, like the main part of the city. It's, it's very just naturally segregated. Um, people just moved into these communities where they felt the most comfortable. And it's not like you can't go into the, the neighborhood and like eat at their restaurants. They're not going to like beat you up or anything. Uh, you can still go experience, like there's like a little Vietnam, little Vietnamese neighborhood you can go into. And it's like, it's actually kind of cool. <laughs> like I liked going to some of these different neighborhoods that are just like it's you're in like almost a completely different world and you get to experience a different culture uh but you don't have to uh, i'm not waking up to fucking ranchero music blasting <laughs> from my fucking neighbor every day <laughs> well that's kind of like like new york in its heyday <clears throat> you know it was it was the melting pot right except that it really wasn't like it was all boroughs you had the irish and the chinese and you know chinatown and like harlem and like they were everything was very split up and segregated everybody had their own part of the city that that they kind of operated in like yeah it was a melting pot in that in one city you had all of this uh you know different all of these different ethnicities and and i mean like italians and irish and germans and like even those split up like even they didn't didn't commingle a whole lot right like yeah. yeah it you had all of these different all of these different people together in one city except that they really weren't it was it was kind of like the uh like i showed you the my uh my open borders tweet you know with the the wolf packs thing like yeah we're all here together, but there are also very clear lines that divide everybody, and and everybody kind of plays within their their own boundaries for the most part, and then everybody gets along. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then when you just open up the borders, uh, you you end up with a lot of problems, just logistic problems and and things like that, and then also you breed a lot of resentment between groups. It's like the I know it's I know it's kind of a like a dumb metaphor type of thing, but the thing about the the red ants and the black ants in the jar, and they're all like fine. The black ants are on the bottom, and the red ants are on the top, and they're all doing their thing. And then you shake the jar up, and now all the ants are fighting and trying to kill each other. Like as long as everybody's you know not 
having problems, then it's, but as soon as you reach in and just stir it all up and get it and, and mix it up for no more reason than to mix it up, then you create unnecessary conflict that didn't exist before. And now yeah. everybody's at, at each other's throats. Well, and, and especially if, you know, you live in one of these uh, shithole cities like Chicago and you, you have a bunch of problems already and they just start mailing in like new problems. Like, how could you not like, I think, yes, like a lot of the anger would be misdirected if you're, you're, put, you're just putting it on like immigrants coming over. But it's at the same time, it's like, how could you not naturally just start feeling resentment towards them for coming in there? taking your housing, taking your uh, some, some job away from you or something like that, taking government resources is like kind of the main thing where it's like, hey, you know, like the government said it was here to help me. Uh, and it seems to be caring a lot more about these people that came that broke every fucking law coming over here. And they're getting treated better than I am. And I'm an American and they're from fucking Venezuela or something. So fuck them. And. I feel like that that would there would just be like a natural inclination to to feel that. Well, and you've seen it. Uh, you've seen it more prevalently in Chicago um, because I think I think the black community in Chicago is a little more vocal about that kind of thing. But they've been very upset about the way the government has treated these illegals coming in, as opposed to the complete shit that they've been treated to for like forever. Uh, or at least as far as they're concerned, uh, like and and you can't like you can't tell me that's not happening in Washington D.C. in New York City. Like it's got to be when you see that they're that they are literally filling up like nice hotels with illegal immigrants, and then and then businesses around those hotels are closing down because customers won't come anymore because you just have this like mass of immigrants out on the street all the time because they don't stay in the hotel they go outside and now it's like running off business like you can't tell me that people aren't seeing that and aren't getting pissed off about it it's it's not being as widely reported in those other cities as it is in like chicago but like you can't tell me it's not happening people are feeling that yeah yeah it's why the the busing thing was kind of a brilliant um political move by by Texas and, and things like that. But yeah, what a, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to watch, uh, to watch the government just fail over and over again in their stated goals and just create the, the exact same problems that they claim they're, they're trying to fix. They make them exponentially worse. And then it's just like, Oh, well, we just need more funding and you need to do this and you need to do that. And uh, we'll get it right the next time. And They've just never gotten anything right. I, I can't, I, 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 I genuinely cannot think of something that I'm like, oh, well, you know, thankfully we have the government taking care of that. Well, like the busing, <laughs> the busing thing, that's, that's like the, the, you know, the red ants and the black ants in the jar. That's, that's, yeah. that's kicking, that's kicking the jar over and, and setting them all at each other's throats. Yep. And it's like, this is a, this is a really bad idea. It's like, we're bearing the brunt of it here first, but it's like, this is what it's going to be like if you keep it up. And so let's just, let's accelerate this process. And here you go. You want it, you asked for it, you got it. <laughs> anyway, what, uh, there was one thing I sent you on 
central bank digital currencies. Maybe we could get into a little bit of that switch gears here. Yeah, let's knock this out real quick. Uh, I'm probably going to have to cut out in about 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah, the CBDC indoctrination has begun. Now, this I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this quite a bit over the years um, on this podcast, and this is something that I've been kind of talking about uh, just personally. I've been saying, like, I think this is where the, um, I don't know, the powers that be, this is their end game kind of thing. And I know I'm not the only one. I'm sure I'm not the only one saying that, but I don't see another way out of the the situation that they've kind of created with the all these fiat currencies and and zero percent interest rates and all this like runaway inflation and everything like that. And now, of course, like the free market comes up with an idea, a solution to a problem that governments have created, and. And true, you know, staying true to fashion, the government's going to take that free market idea, adopt it for themselves, bastardize it, and use it to completely fucking control every aspect of your life. Like this, to me, is just horrifying. Um, the, these central bank digital currencies, you know, if you if you read this article, he he makes the point where it's just like, you know, they kind of already have complete control <laughs> over your finances if they want to. They just kind of have to go through one of these intermediaries, like one of these big banks. And it's another reason why these this idea that we're never going to have a bank that's too big to fail. So we're going to create all this regulation that regulates all the smaller branches out of business and funnels everything into, you know, the big five, JP Morgan Chase, Bank of America, whatever, like the big banks that basically work, you know, hand in glove with the federal government. Which makes it, you know, if there's ever an issue, the federal government can just go into your bank account and take some money. Uh, they can freeze your account. Like, and these banks are complicit in that. And when you only have to control a handful of banks, it's much as opposed to like thousands of little banks that might, maybe the banks are going to be like, no, I'm not going to fucking do that for you. Like, I'm not going to violate my customers rights but in order to become a bank now you literally have to sign on to spying on your customers the the, the kyc stuff from the, the patriot act the anti-money laundering stuff it's like they they do background like if they see any suspicious behavior that could or behavior that could be construed as as suspicious they need to report it to the federal government otherwise they're on the hook like so they have you know they're listening to us they're surveilling us they have control over your finances to a, a very large degree already. But if you cut out that middleman and it's just the government has the fucking digital currency and they issue it and they fucking control it, it's it's all over. You're you're officially a fucking slave. And, and so like the article, <clears throat> one of the big parts that are things that it talks about is um, is this written by Peter Schiff or it's anyway, it's through shift uh, gold in it. Um, sovereign. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think it's the sovereign man or something. Is it the sovereign man? Yeah. Of two, uh, yeah. So it talks about this uh, high school senior in Spain that their, their class, which covers banking, mortgages, financial systems, stuff like that. They're talking about CBDCs that are coming and they project that they'll be coming within a year. 
and it'll be like a, a new digital euro where there won't be cash anymore. Everything, all of the money will be registered through the European Central Bank and everything will just be controlled by the EU. And that's it. That's like, that's, that's your money. I, mean, I, I have not been a big, like, I, people make a big deal about like the, the cashless society and everything. And, and I haven't really been super concerned about it because I can't tell you the last time I carried cash. Like I, I have everything run through my little local bank back home in BFE, Kentucky. And I, I don't, I never have cash. I, as far as I'm concerned, it's all fucking make believe anyway, because I never see any of it. It's all just numbers change on a numbers change on a fucking app. And, and I just trust that it's right. You know, my, <laughs> uh, my paycheck gets electronically deposited. All of my bills are set up, paid on, you know, auto draft online. I don't, I don't see any, I, uh, I go to the local bank here and stroke a check for my my truck payment, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is it's all make believe. So I've never been really concerned, but the uh, like with all of it being completely centralized and run by this uh, what is it you called it the uh the european central bank that's completely managed and run by the eu like i yeah, mean it, it, it's over like they'll just make it illegal for you to have any sort of business if you don't take the central bank digital currency uh will there be black markets and things like that yeah sure but like what's the punishment going to be for getting caught using one of those things and it's just this is like this is it this is the final frontier like you have to resist like you cannot give them this amount of control whatever little bit of fucking freedom they still allow us to have is only possible because we haven't turned over complete control of of this type of transaction um and then with all of the you know the technology that surrounds it it's like dude they can just like you said, you barely use cash as it is. Like everything's fucking autumn. Like they can just shut everything off if you don't, uh, if you don't comply, and if they if they don't like what you say. I mean, look at what they've been doing to people who have been on the the wrong side of a political issue with the powers that be. I mean, we saw what what happened with the Freedom Convoy in Canada. That was fucked up. But it's like, you know, they're they're naming like just they got the list of domestic terrorists. And it's just like, yeah, like if you voted for this guy, you're basically a terrorist now. You're on our list. And how's that going to work out when they when it comes to uh, controlling your money, allowing you to buy certain things, allowing you to like travel? Like they could just be like, nope, you can't. Uh, your carbon footprint is was too big this year. You can't fucking put any more gas in your car. When are they going to start limiting the carbon footprint of all the billionaires that travel back and forth to all of these big conferences to talk about everybody else's carbon footprint? Right. Yeah. 100%. But it's just like, this is, dude, this is like fucking terrifying to me. If, if there's one issue that, you know, if you're going to be like a single issue voter or something, it has to, in my mind, it would be this. You cannot let these fucking psychopaths get complete control of, of the money. You just can't do it. Uh, it. It's bad enough as it is. I mean, look at the disaster that, the, you know, these central banks have already caused. 
pretending to be these separate private financial institutions than the government, but they're, they're all the same. They're all, it's all the same fucking thing and they're all getting filthy rich off of it. And man, if they like whatever crumbs that they leave for you, if they get to dictate when and where you can eat those crumbs, it's, it's going to be a real tough fucking life. And you're, you're going to see just every fucking modicum of freedom just completely disappear. Everyone's going to be afraid to speak like the, the people that are speaking out about various topics. Like, could you imagine if, uh, I mean, the, the penalties that people took for speaking out against the COVID regime were severe, but like, man, at least there were like, you had options, you had ways around what they were doing to you that you could still survive. But once they, once they usher in this kind of shit, like there's going to be nothing you can do. Yeah, yeah, it's and, uh, and yeah, they're just. Uh, I guess the school in Spain. It sounded like yeah, the teachers are like just telling telling the kids how great an idea this is going to be and how it's going to make your life so much better and more efficient and easier and safer and everything like that. And this way, you know, they're going to frame it like that, like oh, it's going to make your life better, and then it's like, and then we'll be able to also crack down on illegal crime, you know, terrorists and things like that. And it's just like, dude, freedom does come at a bit of a cost. If a, if a couple of fucking bad, you know, criminals get to launder some money or something, and I get to do whatever I see fit with my money, I'm fine with that. Like, that's just, that's the cost of doing business. You cannot, I mean, look how much freedom we sacrificed post 9-11 to keep you safer and man, just look how all of it's been turned on the very people that it was supposed to, you know, it was billed as to help. And right. it's just, it's they out of definitely, control. They definitely only use this stuff to crack down on legitimate criminals. Then, Right. And then, yeah, define terrorist, define criminal. And like, you shouldn't even care about that. <laughs> like, you should not really care what, what somebody, you know, what if a criminal's getting away without paying their taxes or something. It's uh yeah this is this is just fucking terrifying to me and and the, of course the fact that the teachers are on board with this so your kids are your kids are going to start being propagandized for this as well it, it, like we were talking about maybe on the last episode like they don't teach you anything anymore they used to teach you a little bit and propagandize you and now it's just pure fucking propaganda <laughs> and goddamn dude if you get a whole generation of people that support this kind of fucking insanity of cbdc's it's just we're, we're gonna be in a world of pain so anyway you you gotta get going yeah got gotta go pick up the wife's car all right well uh before we get out of here let's just pull up the little uh there was just this heartwarming post from joe biden that i'm sure he put together himself he knows exactly what day it is <laughs> we can get out of here on this. A happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Which, goddamn, dude, I always I hated Valentine's Day. I always thought it was the dumbest thing. Jill, you're the love of my life and the life of my love. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh my god. Do they have any like legitimate relationships in Washington, D.C.? Are any of these people actually in love with each other? 
Well, it would have been what would have been like, gosh, the most like on the nose thing would have been if they had posted a picture of him with his first wife. Yeah, right. (laughs) That would have made this perfect. It it is great. I mean, Valentine's Day is a crockish. What are you doing for your your wife for Valentine's Day? Uh, I work. So we saw each other for about uh, 15 minutes this morning when I got home. I I took her car to the shop and I'm getting some uh, some stuff fixed on it. So that's that's my big Valentine's present. That's a hillbilly Valentine's. You got a new yeah. carburetor or something. I got her a I got her a blanket. She uh, she's real particular about the blankets that she sleeps with, and uh, her her old one is about to completely fall apart. So I got her a new a, a new blanket. So uh, it's okay. a practical yeah. caring gift. And it's actually what she wanted. I'm like, what do you want? Like, I'm not rolling the dice on getting something that I think is mushy or romantic or whatever. And then it not even be something that you're ever going to use. Like, Yeah, it just, uh, I mean, I did a whole rant on this, uh, I think probably last year, Valentine's Day. And it's up on the Substack for, I can't remember. It's probably... Most of it's just for the the paid subscribers. So if you want to go listen to that, but just the obligation involved in this and just like how stupid everything is, it. I, I'm just I'm glad I I don't have anything uh, to do today. I dodged that bullet once again, two years in a row. <laughs> and, uh, but for those of you who don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you got to go fucking overpay for some chocolates and some flowers and do all that stupid fucking forced corny shit that I I don't know, man, if somebody gave me a gift out of obligation, it wouldn't mean anything to me. Oh yeah. I showed y'all on the happy hour. What my wife got me. She got me some, uh, some meat hearts. Yeah. They're really, really good too. Yeah. I, I just always thought that you should be doing that sort of stuff for your significant other throughout the year not like on the one forced day and just find some way. If you have to celebrate it, celebrate it amongst yourselves. Don't go out to these fucking restaurants. Like I can't go out tonight. Like I can't go to a fucking restaurant tonight. I wouldn't, I mean, it would just be too fucking crowded and too like just too gay. I couldn't deal with it, but not that I actually really want to, but it's just like, I don't know. Celebrate it like the day before or the day after celebrate it at home i don't know do something special for yourself but like dude to to play into this fucking fake society fucking holiday bullshit just drives me crazy so (laughs) happy valentine's day you idiots and uh we'll be back on friday with a brand new episode for you until then you know the drill just keep on peddling that so-called fiction peace